We've all been hurt. We all have scars. And through a relationship with Jesus Christ, we can all overcome and we can all be healed. Welcome to Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. Hey everybody, welcome back to the sanctuary. And today we're going to be talking about memorials. Now, there are those who would lead you to think that they are not biblical. However, not only are they mistaken, but memorials are very biblical. They serve to remind us of various things and sacrifices that have been made for us, that God loves us and will provide for us. Not only that, but that he will go before us even. The caveat is that we don't let them become more important than God or what he wants for us. And we're going to be taking a look at that today. Now, some of you may have heard this one before. If you have, bear with me. All right. There was an elderly couple, and in their accelerated age, they started to notice that they were getting a lot more forgetful. So they decided to go see a doctor about it. Now, the doctor, after hearing what they had uh, had going on, what their problem was, tells them, that they should really start writing things down so that they don't forget it. So they took this advice and they went home. The old lady tells her husband, Hey, I want a bowl of ice cream and you might want to write it down. Husband says, No, I can remember that you want a bowl of ice cream. So she goes on to tell him, Well, I don't just want a bowl of ice cream. I also want whipped cream on top. Write that down too. And again, he says, No, no. I can remember, you want a bowl of ice cream with whipped cream. Then the old lady says, hey, I want ice cream, I want whipped cream, and I want a cherry on top. Write that down. And again, he says, no, I've got it. You want a bowl of ice cream with whipped cream and a cherry on top. No problem. So he gets up and he goes to the kitchen. He spends a really long time in there, over 30 minutes. Finally, he comes out, hands his wife a plate with bacon and eggs on it. The wife stares at the plate for a moment, stares up at the husband, and then stares back down at the plate and asks her husband, where's the toast? We all get forgetful sometimes. Hey, it's going to happen. That's life. We've all forgotten things. Sometimes they're minor things. Sometimes they're important things. But, you know, it's it's going to come to pass. And we all, we all have places where we stumble and we struggle. You know, for example, people who are really bad with names, like me, right? Some people, I'll remember their names, no problem. I meet them once, I shake their hand, get their name, boom. We're good. Others, it could be months later. I'm like, Sorry. What, what's your name again? Or I'll go up to somebody who I know knows her. I'm like, hey, remind me what their name is again. You know, it, it happens. Sometimes it's just a struggle. And, you know, I reminds me of a, a friend I was in the Marine Corps with. You know, we, we served together many years. And, of course, in the military, we tend to refer to each other by nicknames and last names. Typically, it's last names. You know, here we are, you know, well over, you know, two decades later. 
And, and you know, people I served with and I will still refer to each other at, by our last names, not our first. Even though we know each other's first, that's just that's the way it is. It's ingrained in there. You know, and it, so anyhow, I have this friend. I served with her. You know, called her by her name for for what seemed like ever. She gets married, takes on her husband's last name, as many women do in general, right? It took me more than a month to get her married name down. I kept calling her by her maiden name. Sometimes she'd just let it slide. Other times she'd remind me, hey, hey, I have a new name now, remember? It's cool. Finally, you know, it clicked. Boom. We're good. Now, you know, it's not just men who have these troubles either, ladies. You know, the... The ladies, they can tell you 100 different names for the color orange, but they can't remember how you like your steak or to put gas in the car. You see, we all forget things, but God took this into consideration. He knows that we're going to forget things and we're going to need reminders, so much so that he's actually encouraged us to have things to help us remember. Not so that we live in the past, the Bible tells us not to do that, but so that we can celebrate our history and learn from past mistakes and drive on into the future. All right? Kind of sounds like Doc McFly, um, Doc McFly there. It's like, we got to go back to the future. All right? Um, we see these things throughout the Bible. There's reminders littered through it. The Bible itself, of course, is a reminder, but there's uh, songs, beast. Offerings, rainbows, the Sabbath, the Last Supper, so many more, even stones. Stones. Let me put it this way. Rocks. Yes, rocks. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 8. So Proverbs chapter 11, verse 8. The Bible says, However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. But let them remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. Man, that sounds grim, doesn't it? I don't remember it sounding that grim when I when I was putting this together. Ooh. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, this this verse it's here, it's a reminder as well that remembering doesn't just focus on our past, but where we are and where we're headed. Past, present, and future, just like God omnipresent right he's in the past he's here with us and he's in the future he knows it all so let's um, go back a little bit now uh, join me in exodus chapter 24 so exodus chapter 24 uh, verse 4 the bible says moses wrote down everything the lord had said he got up early the next morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and set up 12 stone pillars representing the 12 tribes of israel now, representing, of course, is another word for reminder. Think about how history was passed down back then. I mean, you know, for the, for the most part, it was verbal. You know, the oral traditions is how they're referred to, but it was verbal. People would speak or sing or, you know, be poetic. Uh, you know, that was just, that, that was the most common way to pass things down at the time. And, and yes, things were written down, but not everybody necessarily had the resources to do that let alone the ability to read so visual cues help to ensure things were remembered things such as the 12 pillars 
All right, moving forward into Exodus 28, there's two more items I want to point out. In the designing of early priestly garments, there were the ephod and the breastpiece. Now, the ephod had two stones, and each of them had six of the tribes of Israel engraved on them, which, of course, you know, between the two brought it to a total of 12. So, and then there's the breastpiece. The breastpiece had four rows of three different stones. Each stone represented one of the 12 tribes. 12, just like the 12 pillars. And with the same representation, symbols combined that represented an entire nation. Okay? So the 12 tribes representing the entire nation as a whole. You know, or depending on where you live, um, counties, states, prefectures, um, and so on and so forth. All right. Now let's go into uh, Joshua chapter 3. Now in Joshua chapter 3, God had Joshua leading his people into Canaan to finally live free. The big obstacle, however, was that they needed to cross the Jordan to get there. And we see in verses 1 through 4. So Joshua 3, verses 1 through 4, the Bible says, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits. That's about 3,000 feet or 900 meters. Between you and the ark. And do not go near it. So we're seeing orders were being given out by Joshua's leaders to prepare everyone to get across the Jordan. The prep work was being done and laid out. <clears throat> now, as you read on, you'll see that they're also consecrating themselves um, and doing a few other things as well. All right. Now, um, as we flash forward here to Joshua chapter 3, verses 12 through 13, the Bible says, Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priest who carried the ark of the Lord the Lord of all the earth set foot in the Jordan. Its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Again, notice the parallel. We're seeing 12 men, each one representing one of the 12 tribes. And as they begin to cross the Jordan, something pretty miraculous happens. We see the waters are standing up in a heap. It's just like it was with Moses in the Red Sea. Only now it's happening with Joshua and the Jordan. There's a pattern here. And if you've ever noticed patterns, they're another way of creating repetition. Anyone heard the phrase, practice makes perfect? God is getting his people into a pattern of repetition to help them and to help us remember the important things. So let's take a look at this in a little bit more detail. So Joshua chapter 3, verses 14 through 17 now, all right? The Bible says, So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet, as soon as the priest who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet 
touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the water flowing down to the Sea of Araba, that is, the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. So, God's parted the waters. Again, the priest, they've stopped in the middle of the Jordan, and they're standing by with the Ark of the Covenant while everyone gets across. Basically, they're crossing guards, right? Stop! This is a pretty miraculous picture just to have in our minds. And I'm sure it pales in comparison to actually being there and seeing those walls of water being held back, um, or and even like the smell of the ground that normally would have had tons of water flowing over it. All right, going on now to Joshua 4. Joshua 4, verses 1 through 3. The Bible says, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. Again, see the pattern. Twelve men. They're being told to pick up twelve stones. Look at it from their point of view at that time, though. Look at it from where they're at. They're on a journey. They know they're going um, to, to a destination. And in the middle of it, when they're seeing this miracle all around them, they're being told, hey, told, hey you know what? You need to stop. I want you to reach down. And each of you pick up a stone. I don't know about you, but I'd be like, really? Are you kidding? We have all this going around and you want me to pick up a rock? Are you out of your mind? In the moment, it would seem pretty silly, wouldn't it? Pretty inconsequential as to what's happening. But think about it. You know, if we're on a, say we're hiking on a trail and I told you, hey, you know what? Stop right there. I want you to pick up that rock. You think I was being an idiot. But God factors our own stupidity into his planning. I'll say that again. God factors in our own stupidity in his planning. And we're about to see just that. In Joshua 4, verses 4 through 8, the Bible says, So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of your Lord, excuse me, go over before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, 
according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. <clears throat> and they carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down. It's a memorial, guys. Look at it. It's a memorial. It says it right here, clear as day. And look at the, the important pieces of it. One, it glorifies God. And two, it reminds us of our past while tying us to our present and telling us about our future. We know this because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God knew what he was doing. He knew we need to be reminded. God doesn't want us to rush into things blindly and wildly like a bunch of idiots. He wants us to stop and use our heads. He wants us to stop and think and remember all the things that he's done for us up until now. That he's with us now. He was with us then. He's with us now. And he's going to guide our steps as we go forward. And that we will need him in our future. Just like we did in our past and just like we do in our present. This memorial serves as a reminder that God cares for his people. That God is going to provide for his people. And that he will go on before them to lead them into the victory of his promises. The stones and the monument serve as a reminder and we have all these kinds of reminders today, don't we? Traditions, special dates, special places, foods, trinkets, anniversaries, scars that remind us of all the things that God has done in our lives. The question is, do you take time to share with others what God has done for you? How he has forgiven you and saved you? How he's answered prayers and met your needs and done things even greater than what you could have imagined. See, we should use our memories of his mercy, grace, love, and faithfulness in our lives as monuments to him as well. They are gifts that we carry as our stones. Are you collecting stones? Are you building memorials? Are you pointing the way to Jesus? If not, then it's time that you started. Remember, Jesus gave his life for us. So we should live our lives for him. I'm telling you, you give yourself to Jesus, he will change your life forever. Forever. All right? Now, earlier I mentioned there are some who don't look at memorials as being biblical. By now, I'm sure you'd agree with me that they're wrong. Many don't even recognize Memorial Day, you know, because it's not on their, their holy calendars. However, we as Christians should come together every day as the church and keep in mind that it's our daily mission to point the way to Jesus. And our memorials are just that, not only to remind us, but to lead others to him. They are a visual aid for those who need to see to believe. Jeffrey Arthurs puts it like this. In the Bible, remembering is remembering. 
right? He, he separates it into two words, the R-E, re, and membering. So in the Bible, remembering is remembering. Remembering or reattaching something that has been amputated is the whole person activity where the past comes alive in the present and suggests action for the future. We have so much to remember and so much to be grateful for. But there's no way we can do it all without God and His reminders. He's connecting us with our past to lead us from now into our future. Now go get those stones and build those memorials so that we can all point the way to Jesus. Thank you for tuning in to Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. If you would like to know more about our ministry or how you can support us, you can find us on Facebook at Be The Light Sanctuary or you can go to our website at BeTheLightSanctuary.org. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll catch you next time. God bless.